I'd seen a lot of terrible shit when I was in the military. I hadn't seen evil till I started combating human trafficking. Most people's imaginations can't even create right, the right, scenario right, of the reality of these right, children. Right, right. It's that bad. And we're friggin' warriors, man. Like, get myself all pumped up. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got your SF, we got these, these veterans. Like, our job is to go kick the enemy's ass. And I'm telling you, those that are abusing God's children like that, that's the enemy, man. That's right. Like, our mission ain't over. To all those hopes are rescued, it ain't over, man. Like, we got work to do. Part of the ethos of this show and what we're trying to really do is with these these, these issues that um you know are, are are so pertinent to all of our lives and and mm-hmm. um that are complicated and and hard and, and and sometimes hard to look at and um for some reason at times politicized what we try to do is um you know talk to guys with real boots on the ground guys who um, are really at the front lines of these issues and from all the homework i've done and from everything uh from everyone who i've talked to uh from the law enforcement community special forces community you know your name has come up so many mm-hmm. times as 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 that guy i just think for that i just i just want to start out by just saying how grateful i am that you're here man and what you do um why you do it mm-hmm. and uh and and, and kind of how it works um so I guess just to start off, I mean, can you just say a little bit about who you are and kind of what you do with Ariel and, and, and what you guys are all about? Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm actually a West Coaster originally. I'm from Oregon, so we're out here in California, but uh, I'm a, a veteran, man, uh, first and foremost, 20, 20 years in the Army. I spent about 10 of those years in the Special Forces out of 5th Group in uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Uh, retired in 2021. I mean, I got a whole story behind this, but my wife and I, we started a a nonprofit called Aero Recovery. And uh, that's what we do now. And what we do is we specialize in kind of taking veterans that are a little bit without purpose and we kind of retrain them and just focus them towards doing good and utilizing the skill sets that, that we learned in all these careers, right? So uh, and we focus on, you know, just saving lives at the end of the day. And we do that with uh, combating human trafficking and we do it by going in and helping after like natural disasters. We got some people out of Afghanistan when that went down. We helped with uh ukraine we were big in ukraine hmm. out there like most of last year hmm. yeah moving thousands of people out of war zones and wow yeah so i mean we, i i know the guys that and girls that got the skills for this stuff so like let's just keep doing it you know and 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 pretty much everybody in area everybody in the organization are, are are veterans yeah yeah we have it uh we have it structured pretty well man we got we have a pretty small team you know, I'm a, I was a SF guy, so like we got the the twelve strong, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, that's like a good number to me. Yeah. Um, but we got about nine people right now. But what we also have is this this whole cohort of healed veterans. We call it our Heal the Heroes program. Okay. So we got over a hundred of them right now. And what we do is uh, we put them through this year long program, and we retrain them with like kind of our values and what we're doing at Ariel. And most of them, you know, choose to come help us out and what we're doing across the world. Um, and so I got like this whole pool of, of vets to pull from everybody from green berets, seals to people that were doing logistics and, and cooks and all that, man. I mean, a lot of what you're doing now is with the anti-trafficking and, and, and with the, the, the recovery out of disaster hit Mm -hmm. areas, is there a bit of, is there a bit of tactical or, or, um, 
physical or logistical retraining or is it all values and if it is the values i'd love to i'd love to know what those values are so i think i think what's uh the main thing is we're instead of like mission focused and you know where's the enemy protect protect the team sure all that it's we're more humanitarian focused now right so you got to start working on the interpersonal skills the empathy really understanding what's going on and and the uh, the impact of your actions and when you're out into in those locations, what you're really doing, because mm. our focus now is a civilian populace. It's, it's not it's not the military side of things. Um, and I think the biggest disconnect and you probably hear this theme a lot is like like your like lack of identity when you get out of the service. And yep. some people retire like myself, but you have people that are medically retired. Maybe yep. they, you know, have an, a substance abuse issue or something. They get separated from the military, whatever it is. Um, they end up getting taken away from that life that they know so well, and they get put in the civilian world. Right. And and I say they, but it, you know it's me as well because I was like kill kill the hero veteran number one, right? My yeah. wife always says I'm like I'm the guinea pig. Yeah. But uh, I was there too, man. Like yeah. I have all this training. I got millions of dollars of government training in sure. me from you know from everything from all these like secret squirrel schools and you know all, all these things, man. And when I got to that point where I was getting out of the military. I was like, what am I, like, all this is useless now. Yeah, like, what, what, what am I going to do now? Right. You know, and, and I know athletes kind of go through that. A lot of these people that are very, uh, they're known for one thing. You just, you kind of think like you're useless out there. And, and a lot of us would be more comfortable, like running in to a firefighter, being caught in a near ambush, than like going out and figuring out exactly how, how you got to start a business or get your taxes done. Or, sure. you know, like it's, it's so interesting that it, it's the, it's the unknown, right? Like you get comfortable even with real difficult, dangerous, life-threatening situations. And being in the regular civilian world is, it's, it's foreign. It's almost kind of scary for, mm. for vets, which is super interesting. So a lot of our training is that it's like, you know, you're, we have this uh, term, it's called permanent change of station, a uh, PCS. Permanent right? change of station. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. So like, say I'm at, I was in Germany, right. And I got orders to go to a new unit. You get your PCS orders, permanent change of station. So I try to tell these vets, man, I'm like, you're not like you're PCSing from military PCSing the rest of your life, yeah, yeah. you know, and you're taking all those skills, like everything you learned and all that experience. And now you're going on to the next thing. We got to focus on what we got to do now. We got all these great things. It's like, let's go figure out what we can do and, and the good we can do in now and in the future. And that's like our, our main thing is just so, so putting that sort of feeling of a purposeless, a feeling lost, the fear, mm -hmm. putting that into service that saved you in a way and that's yeah. sa that's saving these guys and, yeah. and 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 can you like how how did you how did you come to that like yeah. where did that where did that impulse come from how did you figure that out yeah well you know i, I like to tell there's a couple of stories that really come to mind and and uh you know throughout my career i always had this I, I think it drew me to the military in the first place is like this protective instinct and and i have a younger sister and the various things that happened through my childhood, I was always very protective of her. And, and that transferred to who I am and what I'm as an adult and going out and these deployments, you know, I've, I've been overseas like seven times, about five years of my life in combat zones. And no matter what the mission was, like, I'd always see this stuff that was going on on the outside. I'd see these people that are struggling or the, the civilian population that's affected by us being there or, or whatever is going on. But that's not my mission, right? My mission is 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 this. My mission is assigned to me, and uh, and that kind of bothered me. But I, you know, I'd always see that. And I remember a couple times, like this one time I was out in Iraq, man, and um, this is right outside Sadr City, and we were just doing a patrol, like normal patrol, and I'm sitting there on point, 
and I go down and I take a knee at like the end of this intersection. And the cool thing, you know, about the military is right, you, you, everything's assigned and you train, right? And, you know, so I got my sectors of fire. I got my 12 o'clock to my nine o'clock. This is like, this is what I'm responsible for here. Like, yeah. right, like right here. And so I'm sitting down there and I take a knee and I'm scanning and I'm looking and I, I look like right to this little, this house next to me. And there's like this fence that goes around and a gate and I'm looking at this gate and there's like a, you know, like a rope attached to it. And I follow this rope down and it's attached to like this ankle. Right. And I, and I follow it forward and it's like this, it's like this kid, like an 11 year old. And I take a look at him and he's tied up like a dog and I can't even make his face out because he's covered in flies. And he was, you know, he was so physically and, and mentally disabled that he didn't even have the wherewithal to wipe his face. And his parents had just tied him up like an animal and put food and water in front of him. And I, you know, I remember looking at that. And I'm like, we got to do something for this kid, you know? So I, I call it up on my radio and my squad leader gets over there and he comes down and takes a knee. He's like, what do you got, Luck? You know, looking over my shoulder, looking for the bad guys or whatever. And I'm like, look at this kid. Like, we got to do something for this kid. And he's like, that's not here that's not our job, you know? And, and then that was something that always stuck with me. And in the culture, in the military, you got, you have to almost hide those feelings because you get ridiculed for it. So I'm, I was made fun of for like weeks or a month over in, in Iraq because I cared about this kid, you know? And that's, that's something that you got to hold on to that stuff, man. Like, cause that's, that's your humanity. That's there. You're, you're like, you're in a war zone and you're seeing all this crap and like your humanity is still there. So those are the, those are the point of references I want to keep like talking to, to our veterans about is like, let's focus on, man, there's goodness in every sort of situation. What can we do for those, those people? And that's what we're trying to do now is we're trying to use our skills to help those people. Like, like that poor kid in, in Iraq that was tied up. Like How common is it that you think that guys, especially in the SF community have stories like that, right? That you've had oh to shut God. down Oh yeah. that because what, well, I mean, and look at times, I mean, there's stories of it. Uh -huh. you, you start to have empathy for somebody you start to, and that, that takes you off the mission. It puts yeah. you at danger. It puts the people around you at danger. Mm -hmm. But would mm -hmm. you imagine pretty much all these guys have had things like that where their heart has sort of bursted wide open for somebody with, yeah. a, with a case of empathy and then they've had to shut it down. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, the, the military is so interesting too, because they, they teach you to kind of redirect that. Right. So if I see this, like, well, that's those people that are out here. You know, that's look at what they're doing. That's mm -hmm. a result of like the enemy and yep. all of that. So yep. now I'm looking at, now I'm pissed off about this yep. and it's just fuel for me to get revenge or fight harder or something like that. Yep. And I tell that about like, that's kind of like bad energy. Right. Um, and that, that's something that they really teach us, but yeah, man, like you see that stuff, you see it everywhere. And, and I'll be honest with you. I think, I think the military is getting a little bit better about it. Uh, when I first was in, you know, the early 2000s, like, you didn't talk about mental health. You didn't talk about, that's like quitting on your team. Because, you know, it's like, it's a fake injury. You can't, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. You know, get your ass back out there. You just right. don't want to deploy. You're scared. Right. You're chicken. Right. And that was the thing. You know, you go to mental health, that's it. Like, you're a coward. Yep. Um, I think we're starting to understand that there's a reason, you know, you have every 80, every 83 seconds a U.S. veteran commits suicide, eighty-three second. Man, that's insane. Yeah, and that those are those scars, like they're they're in you. Yeah. Those are, that's damaging, man. And and that's kind of where it transitions because there's there's so much broken about like I know like the VA and I I know they they want to they try to do good things for you, but there's so much broken about it. Yeah, and uh, and that's where where we are now is because I was 
I myself was a product of that. And um, I'll just briefly go over this. But in 2000, December 2020, um, I had gotten back from I gotten back from Iraq or uh, sorry, Syria that July. That was my third trip out to Syria. And um, and I had met my wife previous to that. I'd gone and served in uh, um, after Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas 2019, you know, the big, big one, category five. Stuck over Grand Bahama and Abaco for over 24 hours. It stalled there. Just just total devastation. And that was this point where I realized like, man, like I can do I can do stuff outside the mill. I can use my skills to help here. Right. And that's kind of where we started thinking about it in recovery. But prior to that, there were some things in my life that I was doing that I didn't even really recognize. Like mm. I had been I was a functioning alcoholic for about a decade up to that point through things that I'd seen. Best friend being killed, you know wife cheating on me when I was overseas, like all these things that add up. And, and, um, I got to a point where, you know, I got back in July. I was like, man, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go help people abroad, utilizing my skills. Right. Wow. But I hadn't killed, I hadn't gotten rid of those demons yet. And when I started, uh, putting my uh, retirement packet in, um, you, you drop it in, you know, I, I'm at like 19 years at that point. I told him, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm, I'm going to retire out of the military and they're, the SF's pretty cool. So they're like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to go help people. And they're like, all right, man, you don't need to come to work. Just come check in every once, a, once wow. in a while, right? Wow. So uh, in doing that, I, I went to, a, started my out processing, right? And uh, they took me to this clinic. It's called Intrepid Spirit. And it's great, right? I, I've been involved in a couple IED blasts and some of the weaponry I trained on. I have a traumatic brain injury. So they put me in this room and I have all these doctors around and neurosurgeons psychologists, uh, all these people, right? And they go over my case and, and uh, they assigned me a psychiatrist. I never had one before. And this is in, you know, the COVID time, right? So this is a Zoom call like once every two weeks. And yeah. So I talked to this lady and, you know, you know, bless her. She's trying to do her best. Sure. But sure. I talked to her and um, she's like, all right, you know, introduces herself. And this is a one hour call every two weeks. And she's like, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to think back to like a memory or a time on one of your deployments that was really tough. And she's like, I want you to find one that like is you've almost forgotten. And I was like, all right. So I started digging, you know, cause I, I buried this stuff deep, man. Like, you know, that's a, like, we, we got that. We got to hide it in this box and, and yeah. put it inside of me. That's what I was doing. And I found one of these memories. And, and I remember, you know, this is another time in Iraq and we got this, this news of this uh, mass grave. Like there'd been like an ethnic cleansing. And so we're, walking around, we walk out there and we find this supposed site and we start digging it up with our hands and our little shovels. And sure enough, we started unearthing all these bodies with like, I mean, we got gloves on, but basically our bare hands, you know, I'm seeing like little kids decomposing faces and hands. And I'm like, holy hell, you know, that's deep, that's, that's rough. Um, and I started explaining that to her and then bing, it's like, time's up. Shut the f And I was like, Jeez. All right. So she's like, we'll talk, we'll talk about this in two weeks. So man, yeah. so then like everything starts coming back, right? Like I was trying to go sober again at that point, start drinking again. I'm, I got my anxiety. I got nightmares. I got, yeah. it's all coming back in. And I talked to her two weeks later. She's like, how are you feeling? I'm, like, I'm feeling like shit. You know, all, everything, like all my symptoms are back. Like I, I can't stop. But every time I close my eyes, I see that. And she's like, all right. <sighs> So she puts me on medication. So now I'm on Zoloft and I start getting on now on all these prescription medications and they're, they're trying to help me. But I, I didn't have the, 
like tools to process. Like it was rough, man. So I, I start, I start taking medication. I'm on all this stuff and, and I'm drinking again. I'm, I'm lying to my now wife, my girlfriend. Cause I, you know, I'm trying to make myself feel better. So that's what alcohol did that for me. And, um, I get to a point in, in December and, uh, and I was at that last straw. Like I knew what I wanted to do in life, but I still had those anchors that were holding me back. Sure. And then, you know, and like I talk about anchors a lot when I speak to my vets, like, you know, they can be good at some point and keep you stable. But at the end of the day, you're not going to get to where you want to go if, yeah. if you keep them there. And um, December 5th, I go out and talk to my wife. She's off doing wonderful things as she always is. And she's like, you can, you can be drinking tonight. It's like, no, no, no. You know, no, I'm good. I, I promise you, baby, I'm not drinking anymore. And uh, sure enough, I get around my friends and one thing leads to another. And I wake up that next morning like passed out on my phone, like completely wasted all this. And, and, um, and I just remember that morning, man, like, I was like, fuck, that's it. Like she's gone. My purpose is gone. I'm out of the military now. Like I got nothing. And I had, we talk about the suicide. I had a plan, you know? So I was going to execute that plan that morning. And, um, I always, I have a nightstand next to my bed. So I pull my Glock 19 out of there and I have, all my stuff set up like I was going to act like I was cleaning my weapon. And uh, I take the weapon down and I, I put it here up against my leg and I was planning on shooting myself in the femoral and just let myself bleed out. And I had two things happen. I had bought her this little, this is going to be emotional about me because she, my dog just died. But I bought her this, uh, this great Dane. His name is Captain. He's a little puppy, you know. And I didn't close my door enough. So he pushed the door open and he came and sat down. He was looking at me. And I was like, Whoa. I was like, man, I can't, I can't do this in front of this dog, you know? Like, so I put the gun down temporarily and I went and put him in the bathroom. And then I came back from the bathroom. And I was like, all right, uh, my, now my brain's starting to think a little bit more rationally. I'm like, oh, well, I got to, who can I have come over to check on the dog who's strong enough to potentially see me dead? So I'm thinking, all right, well, I'll think about some of my military buddies. I, they've seen death all the time. And I'm like, man, I can't put that on them. You know, and, and so I'm like, how am I going to do this? And I pick up my phone and I had a message from my now wife, Brittany, you know, and it was, it was like a message of love, man. It was like, and she's like so ingrained in her purpose. She's like, I can't, she's like, I got people helping this world. And I don't know if I can be with you, but I can always love you. And I, I can't, maybe I can't be with you, but I can always be there for you, you know? And I was like, I was like man, that's it. You know, like, I got to change something. And uh, so I put the gun away. I pet the dog. And that was December 6, 2020, man. It was the last time I touched alcohol. And I've been sober since then. And I talked to my wife. She's an entrepreneur. And we start sitting and we start planning things SF-wise, man. I'm like, I'm on the enemy. These things that I'm leaning on, this is my enemy, right? So I got to put, I got to treat him as my enemy. And we started planning all this out. And that's what we do. That's why we have the Heal the Heroes program. Because there's guys like me. You know, that we got so much good to do in this world because it was after that point, it was two months later, I was chasing a witch doctor down for beheading kids in Uganda. Wow. And I, I was almost not even on this planet anymore, man. Like, so it's, it's unbelievable how we can talk ourselves into what seems, what seems crazy and, and take the, the easy way out, but. The ripple effect is everything what God's calling what we got in this world, man, we got so much work to do. That's right. And we need to we need to get past our our feelings and our and our demons 
and we need to go do that work. I, I'm always, I always tell my guys, I'm like, you know, we got these demons inside of you, but man, there's angels everywhere. It's like, you can't let your demons inside you destroy the angels and those that you love. And so our work ain't over, man. Like it's just change battlefields. Wow, man. That's, yeah, that's something, man. Wow. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, it seems to me that you knew, I mean, you knew at that time what your demons were and you knew what you knew that you had a giant fucking anchor holding you down yeah. and you knew like she said don't drink that night you're yeah. still doing it and i and i think you know rock bottom we we talk about a lot mm -hmm. like everything changed I, I i had i had my own i think a lot of the folks that we've had on here you, you know they get, get you know that's where change comes from right mm -hmm. and and i think change is such a scary thing for us because uh you got to strip a whole bunch out and then you don't know where to go you don't know where to fill it mm -hmm. but it sounds like you you pretty quickly you 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 knew where to fill it in in, in serving and doing what you do and using you know your skill set to help to serve to save. Um, I always tell my kids it's like you, you you know in every decision we make we always know what the righteous path is we always know what mm -hmm. the high road is and once you start taking that road it reinforces it it makes taking it easier and easier and easier because the rewards from it and how it makes you feel uh, they become way they, they, it becomes something that you can be. Um, it, 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 it's, they become clear, they become clear and they become something that, that, that are tangible. Yeah. Is that how it's been for you? Is that how it's yeah. been for you? One thing. And then now you're even seeing it on giving, on, on, on having others sort of follow your path. Other people who might be close to where you were, where you were, worse yeah. than whatever it is. Now you're giving that path to others as well. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly, you know, it's, in my opinion, you, you know, the best way to make yourself feel better is just get up and go help somebody. That's right. Right get up and just get out there and go help somebody. And I find, I found that's essentially what we're doing. Right. And, and there's so many great and wonderful causes out in this world. There's so many ways to help somebody. And, um, you know, if you take a look at, at, and I, I you know, I'm still narrowing that focus, right. I, I got this beam out of like good things that I can be doing. And that's what I'm trying to show these vets too. And is like, just, head towards goodness. And as you're going along doing good things, like you'll start focusing in on something that really, you know, like your my wife says, your why will make you cry. Mm. Like something you're, you're real passionate your about. Why will make you cry. Love yeah, it. man. And, and it, for you, it seems to keep going back to, I mean, forgive me, maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but to that kid yeah. tied up, correct? Like that, yeah. that, that's something. And, and, and you mentioned when you, when, when you dug up, what you dug up that mm -hmm. day, you know, the first thing you mentioned is the kids that you saw and forgive me, brother. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, Ugandan witch doctor Man. what in the world is that Dude, so that's you know I mean that's what I'm doing now because I I thought I'd seen a lot of terrible shit when I was in the military I hadn't seen evil till I started combating human trafficking so I met I met Tim Ballard him and uh him and his crew came out uh he heard that my wife and I were um we're against human trafficking. We were working our way in, 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 into that field and seeing how we can do whatever we can to stop it. And um, so he came out and, you know, we're having a meeting with him. We're helping uh, him and his organization kind of restructure. That's like my wife's superpower. She's this amazing entrepreneur. And um, we're, you know, helping them figure out how they can make everything better. And while we're sitting there, uh, one of his team members gets this text message. And it's from one of these authorities in, in Uganda. And show it to us. And... The, the message is a picture of three kids' heads. They had been beheaded, right? And I was like, why? Like, were they, who's murdering these kids? 
And they start explaining it that in Uganda, like three of every 10 kids that go missing are victims of child sacrifice. So they have uh, like these witch doctors, like this voodoo craziness that's going on there. And people will literally pay to have kids taken, dismembered, and have like their arms and legs buried in the ground and foundations of these businesses to bless them and to make them to make them more successful. Or if you're a, uh, I mean, this is right. This is real, right? This is the podcast. I'll just be real. Okay. Like so, if you're if you're having trouble conceiving and uh, or maybe you have too many boys or you want a girl or something like that, they'll go find uh, a little kid and they'll cut out her genitalia and then they'll go perform this ceremony and that's supposed to then allow so you and your wife can have a, a little girl and is this like a i mean is this like a known and accepted thing there i mean cu culturally how known is i mean so man it, it's it's known it's accepted somehow in there right it, it still happens but the means that some of these poor countries that have to go fight this trafficking evil they're just not there right like I, when we, I'll, I'll kind of talk about when I went to Uganda, because I, I think it's a very eye-opening story. Um, but when we went to Uganda, then we went to Ghana. And I remember leaving Ghana and we had just uh, gone down and, and arrested a, a, a trafficker out there with the, the, Ghana, the Ghanaian police did, but we helped them find him. And when we're leaving, I had one of the detectives came up to me is like, hey, uh, uh, can um, we ha we know where another trafficker is before you guys go? And I was like, all right, well, do you know exactly where? What do you need us for? He's like, well, they're about two hours away, um, you know, and they've been kidnapping kids and selling them off. I was like, okay. Um, I was like, so what, what exactly do you need from me? He's like, we don't have gas money. We need 20 bucks. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was like, you need $20 to go arrest? Yeah, we need 20 bucks to go get this. And I was like, well, man, you know, here's 20 bucks. And I gave it to him, and sure enough, when I you know landed back in the states, I had a picture of the arrest when they got him. They just didn't have gas money to go and, get a trafficker. And, and 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 just forgive me on this, but so that Ghanaian police, mm -hmm. if I'm saying that right, police officer, what, what what's motivating him? These accepted, sort of unbelievably evil practices that are that are culturally accepted in a place like Uganda. There's also a group. Of people there oh yeah is it their job to combat it or are are they doing it for the same reasons you i mean if you can't get 20 dollars for gas money you're clearly not doing it because it's a good career choice yeah it, i mean that, you know where where there's evil there's there's good right right and uh and that's the that's the struggle and and uh i mean there i see some of the most wonderful and amazing people with the biggest and biggest hearts but they don't have the they don't have the knowledge or the means to go combat it properly. Yep. And, um, and you know, I think, and it's also, you know, an awareness issue too, but I think, uh, I think everywhere you go, you'll find people with, with amazing hearts. They just don't ex know exactly what they're doing. And that's why it's so important. And, you know, you, you get the, like the, the white savior going around or whatever, man, don't matter. Like these are all God's children. Like we, we want to do this everywhere. We want to help everywhere. And we want to help like the green, green beret way is what I say, right? Like, I don't want to be in a place forever. I just want to give them the skills and train them on how to go do their own rescues. Cause nobody's more motivated to rescue somebody than the, the people that are of their that own. culture and that country. Right. Of like, of course. so we're just trying to help them. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's great people everywhere and there's evil people everywhere. And then there's good people that resort to 
evil and bad things because they have no opportunity. They live in some of these countries in, in Honduras. I, you know, we work with this group called Saputo out there. Amazing. Uh, they help with the, the poorest of the poor and build these communities for them. And their goal is to get people fr- to the poverty line. They say that you know, people in Honduras, are, these kids are fighting in trash heaps against animals trying to get food. Like they live in misery. That's a, Linda Coelho. She's like the, the leader. She's like, we're trying to get people out of misery to poverty. Mm. And then we can start helping. Mm. So they're just, I mean, man, you got kids like, people are listening to this, man. You got to go travel. Like you got you to get outside the U.S. You got to get outside the bubble. You got to travel. You got to take your kids. And you got to show them stuff. And we got to raise our kids right to get out there and to be able to continue to spread and help. Like, that's it. That's all you got to do. Like, you got to get them out and see what's really going on in this world. And I think Sound of Freedom has been great about that now. Like, we're start, people's eyes are starting to open yep. up, right? Man? Yep. Like, absolutely. And, and Uganda, man, just, just to touch on that, like, that was – so two months prior, I was about to punch my own ticket. I almost killed myself, right? And then I'm in Uganda helping – track down this witch doctor and I had the unique opportunity that normally when we go and do these undercover investigations, you know, we're working with the police, we're working with the prosecutors, we're making sure that aftercare facilities are set up. But at the end of the day, we work as we pretend to be bad guys. So we go in there and we go undercover and, uh, and we're like recording traffickers and acting like pedophiles or whatever. Uh, so we're, we're bad guys. So if, if the, the victims or the survivors, whenever they see us, they'll, you know, parade them out and for us. And I'll be like, yeah, like that's the, that six year old boy. Yeah. That one's mine. Like, you know, that, and obviously I'm acting, but they always look at us as bad guys. And, and it, you can't go after you rescue them. You can't go back in and be like, ah, surprise, you know, like, cause they're, they're already, they're already so, Messed up from being raped 15, 20 times a day already as little kids. Right. And you're like, yeah, you're like why, why come back? Why, why add more trauma, right? So I had the opportunity to go to an aftercare facility in Uganda. And I, I went in there and there was about 40 kids there. And they'd all been rescued from uh, their child sacrifice or trafficking. And in this aftercare facility, you know, I talked about like the genitalia thing. Of these like 40, 50 kids, like 10, 15 of them were missing genitalia from that happening. And most of those were boys because as you can imagine, girls, when they don't have genitalia, they bleed a lot more and they don't survive it usually. And, and I met, uh, I met two kids there and, and I was talking about like, you know, I had my, my mission and purpose, like it was given to me, like, you know, when I was in the army and when I was in special forces, like, all right, we're going to go hit this checkpoint. We got ISIS this strong. Here's our task condition standards. Here's how we're going to do this thing, right? Here's our mission, our intent. Like we know our everything, right? It's given to us. Um, and then when I go and I see these kids, I'm sitting there in this aftercare facility and there's this one, this one little girl, uh, her name was Hope. And, you know, I think that's a very appropriate name for her. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of playing with these other kids, just trying to put smiles on their faces and stuff and trying to understand what's happening still, right? Like this is 48 hours I was aware of trafficking, but now I'm with these little kids that are, you know, missing limbs and genitalia and have been molested and, and raped for some cases years. And when I'm playing with these kids, there's this, this little girl named hope and she's like 12 or so. And she's laying there and she can't, she can't move. Like she's in the fetal position and you know, she's kind of just like rocking and, and looking around and not really focused on anything. And I ask what's, you know, what happened to her. And if you look real closely, she has all these cuts, these like, 
the back of her head and neck and shoulders and everything. And she had been abducted and stored inside of a, a house and they used, they would use her blood for ceremonies and they have to, it has to be like charged a certain way. So you can't just, you know, so what they would do is they would go and cut her and then they would collect her blood and they just left her there as like a, a live blood bank. And this was for three years and she was a little kid playing around and she could no longer, she couldn't even move anymore. And I looked at her and, and I was, once I heard that story, I was like, man, I can't believe that. Like who would do that to this little kid? And I remember like put my hand out and like, God has me do this thing every once in a while where like I, I sing for some reason. So I was like singing to this little girl. I'm a terrible singer. I don't know why, but I, I'm singing to her and, and she looks and she fixes her gaze at me. And I was like, her name's Hope. She's looking at me and she gives me this big smile, man. And I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, this is my purpose. This is, you know, this is my assignment, right? As my mission. So now I've, I've got my mission. I know exactly what I need to do. That was also a, a turning point. You know, at that point, I'm like two months sober. I've been two months sober many times before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, no, man, like. That's what I'm going to be. I'm helping these kids. And the sad state of it is this is one of what do we got like nearly 50 million people that are right now that are being trafficked. 50 million, 25% of those are kids. She's one of them, a million, millions of kids that are in situations similar, some less terrible, some more terrible than this little girl is, you know? And uh, it's a, it's a reality. Like, you have the sound of freedom movie out. Tim's a good buddy of mine. Like this shit happens. Like this isn't la la land. Everything's good. There are kids, there are men, there are women, there are people that are human beings that are, whether it's visible or invisible chains, they are slaves to other people. There are more people currently enslaved than there was in the entirety of the transatlantic slave industry. And that's not taking anything away from that, but there are more per people currently enslaved now than any other time in, in human history. And we finally have the awareness of people like their eyes are opening. Right. And you, you, you see the movie and it's a very, it's very artistically and well done where you can, you, you know, what's happening to these kids. You, it doesn't show it, but you know it, but I'm telling you, most people's imaginations can't even create right, the right, scenario right, of the reality of these right, children. Right. Right. It's that bad. Right. And we're friggin' warriors, man. Like, get myself all pumped up. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got your SF. We got these these veterans. Like, our job is to go kick the enemy's ass. And I'm telling you, those that are abusing God's children like that, that's the enemy, man. That's right. Like, our mission ain't over. To all those hopes are rescued, it ain't over, man. Like, we got work to do. I have, like, so many questions. Bro. Like, like when, when you go over there in that capacity, and you go over there, you're doing, I mean, essentially what you're saying is the majority of the stuff that you do to, lo to, to locate and find these guys is basically do undercover work. Correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So, and, and, and under who's the, like, do you, when you go into another, con are you working totally, you're, you're just kind of, is anybody authorizing that? Do you take yeah. orders from anyone? How, how, how does it work logistically? Yeah. So, so there's a, uh, there's a process to it. Right. And, and that's actually what I'm just coming back from right now. Right. And, um, but you have to, at the end of the day, if, if I'm in Mexico or something asking about kids, you, I told you there's good people everywhere. I might very well find myself in a Mexican prison 
because I'm asking about kids, you know, so we have, we call it top cover. So we have to be working with the authorities. Mm -hmm. So who do we trust? Mm -hmm. I've been in a, have you been burned? Oh, dude, I was in, I was in a a place in Mexico. Uh, We'd arranged a meeting with a trafficker. The trafficker showed up with a lights lit up a police escort to the meeting. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, we're all going to jail. No, that was, that was, that was, and it was a female trap. That was her security. And that's why you have to, that's the hard part, right? So usually when we come in and, and like, oh, by the way, cause you know, man, like we do natural disaster recovery. We do all that because there are people that are millions of people, billions of dollars, right? There are terrible things that are happening. We just had a team returned from the Maui fires. We have a team that it's just getting back from the hurricane that just happened. We have another hurricane that's coming, right? Not only are these opportunities for our veterans to serve, but these are opportunities to get connected with the right people, understand mm-hmm. what their hearts are, ask them the correct questions so mm-hmm. we can vet them mm-hmm. and then turn those into anti-trafficking relationships and opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, there's always like layers and things, especially when you start doing things like the green beret way, right? Like there's always, there's a method to our madness, right? And, um, normally we're scraping from the bottom. We're coming in, we're talking to like local small levels and we're trying to work our way up. With this movie, I just came back from back-to-back meetings, president of Guatemala, president of Honduras. In Guatemala, they had, he had his entire cabinet out there. He had his attorney general, secretary of defense, all their department heads, all the generals, like all in this one room. And he take, you know, he's got me and Tim and, and our, and our little delegation there. And he's like, work with them, rescue kids in Guatemala. Those are my orders. And I was like, let's go, man. And now I'm at the top, right? Right. Right. They're like, and then right from there, we go meet with the attorney general. What policies, what laws do we have in place that are restricting you from doing your, what you need to do out here? So, so that's, that's the logistics part, right? So then you, you get those, you get the authority, and now we, you know, we sign these MOUs. Now we have top cover. Now we find out what's making them ineffective. Because like I said before, I don't want to have to be there the whole time. I got, I got a beautiful wife. I, I, got, my, I got a little baby on the way. He'll be here next month, That's man. Right. Like, um, I, but, I, but I will be here as long as it's necessary. Yeah. So now we've got those authorities. Now we start planning. All right, where are you guys at now? All right, what cases do you have? And you'll find, man, they got cases, stacks of cases. They know it. They know like their citizens are missing. They know that in some cases, high ranking officials from other countries are coming and they're abusing their children, but they don't have the capacity or the ability. And that's the one thing that really gets me, man. Because when we go in and we go undercover, the traffickers have no idea because the problem is so big, they would never expect it. And unfortunately, we look like those that are abusing the kids because we're creating the demand. Like the US, number one consumer of uh, child sexual uh, material. Like we create the demand, like getting kids and people. So having a big white dude with tattoos come in asking for for kids, it's not like, oh, that's not a red flag. No, that's that's your customer. That's a, those are green dollars right Right, there. Right, that's what they're. they're, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah, wow. You know, like people are like, are you scared? And I'm like, yeah, there's been a couple of times like where some of them are, you know, you got to make sure you got your stories and everything together, right? And uh, we have backstories, we have the way that we do all of this. But I'm not ever at the position, and I'm not, these are legit meetings, man. Like you're sitting there and there's cartel, 
you're in a meeting with cartel and they're, you know, they got their little fanny packs across their chest and they, they make sure you, they see the, the hilt of their, their guns. Like those, these, these dudes are legit. Like there's places that they'll, you know, Honduras, like 20 bucks. You can hire somebody to go kill someone when, when going out there. Like my contact out there is like, don't, if someone cuts you off in Honduras, let them cut you off. Cause that might be MS 13 might MS 18. They'll just get out and, and kill you. Like just let them cut you off. You know, that that's the reality of the situation, but they don't, the problem is so big. They have no idea that we are even, they can't even conceive that we're working with police to take them down. Right. It, like and maybe I, I, I welcome when I get more scared because that means we're, we're having more of an impact. And I, and I think that's what's happening. You welcome when, when you start to think maybe these guys are expecting me, maybe I'm fucked here because then at least they realize there's, there's somebody out there fighting the fight. Exactly. And you know what too, when you get and you get the actual assholes that are going in there, the ones that are saving up all their money all year. So they can go rape kids in Mexico and go back to their families being a loving father. Like when they go there and now they're starting to meet and they're getting weird, weird vibes from the traffickers or when they're trying to arrange to have sex with these kids and, because they now there's like, well, shoot, man, like they think I'm my, like the police are like, you know, that's the sort of thing that really, really gets them. Like, I want them to be scared. Right. Man. You, you want them to think maybe yeah. these guys are going to think I'm another. Yeah. You want, you want the entire business to be more dangerous. Yeah. I want so, it to be more dangerous for everybody. For everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I want yeah, people yeah. to think twice about going out and abusing children. And I, what can you even believe that I said that? It's just, I want people to think twice about going out and abusing children. That's where we are nowadays, man. That's a statement that legitimately came out of my mouth. You know, I, 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 I have so much more to ask you just kind of about your, your experiences. And, I, I, and, and But, you know, one of the things that like, you know, with the film coming out and, and, and with everything around it, you know, Number one, I guess the first thing I want to ask you is I, I've had so many people mm-hmm. um, that I'm that I'm enormously close with that I really fucking trust. People from mm-hmm. the special forces community, from the law enforcement community. Uh, one of the dear friends of this show, one of the dear friends of my life, um, is Navy SEALs now. Uh, w- w- then worked uh, LAFD for a long time, mm-hmm. and um, he's one of the most uh, trustworthy. Uh, uh, people I know, uh, he's the first guy, there's something to go down, mm-hmm. you know, what's up, what can I do? Likewise. Right. And he said to me, he was the first person who said to me, he said, this thing is so much bigger than anyone realizes. Oh, yeah. And he's talking about firefighters who have found, uh, houses in LA with kids all tied up. Mm-hmm. And he said, you, and, 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 you know, he's a dad and, mm-hmm. and, and, and he's talked about, you know, his primary concern is about his daughter. Now um, I have, uh, you know, my, my, my brother-in-law, I think, you know, Sid, yeah. uh, you, you, you know, um, I don't know whether we'll be able to use this or not. I don't know whether they want to talk about, it, but somebody tried to take his daughter, you know, from, from uh, uh, my, my, my niece, my beautiful niece, Juliet um, at a home Depot, in Miami. Um, she got, she got parked in some guys, my, 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 my sister-in-law. Um, and you know, all this is happening. Like, look, man, you, you know, some of us have lived certain lives and we know that there's evil out there. Yeah. There are so many people in this country 
who just seek a life of comfort and, and just want to like turn a blind eye. And mm -hmm. there's so many forces and so many powers at hand to make you not believe that this stuff is all around you. This was something that I knew nothing about. I had no awareness of whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So I guess my first question on that is, is uh, and I mean, you've, you've kind of answered a little bit, but if you could kind of paint a picture like how prevalent is this problem? How prevalent is this problem in America in all facets in terms of people who are going down there and doing this stuff? How big is the risk for our children here on American soil, for kids overseas? Um, can you can you try to kind of paint a picture of it? And I, I'm not really looking for statistics, yeah. but um, I'm just wondering first, like in your mind, you, you know, how can you kind of walk us through that from somebody who's, who's, who's boots on the ground? Yeah, I think... Um... <clears throat> You know, there, a couple of stories come to mind. What you're just saying there too, you know, there's a, it is, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Um, if you are, if you're trained like, like myself and I, I even do this, my wife and I will do this when we go places. Cause if you go anywhere that is a tourist location, mm -hmm. you can think of any of them across the world. Like, oh, you've got to go to, I'm, I'm just naming these places, Santorini, or you got to go to Roatan or you got to go to Cozumel or you got to go like whatever you know, Rio, all these things, like every, everything a person could possibly want will be there for them to get. And that's, that's reasons why like the Super Bowl, right? Number one trafficking event in the United States. When you go to these places, uh, explain that. What, what so you have an event that attracts tens of thousands of people to one location, sometimes, you know, a hundred thousand to go visit it. Right. You start getting, um, I'm just going to use this as an example. You start getting fathers or men that are traveling. Hey, I'm going with the boys. We're going to go, you know, we're going to Arizona to see the Super Bowl. All right, cool. You know, whatever. You get there. Now, all of a sudden, you, the, the authorities are, are good about shutting down things on like Craigslist and all of that. But you start looking up on on the internet and, you know, just, it's, I'm not saying to go do this, but if you go on your phone and type in like escorts or whatever city, right? Like you'll find a, a hundred different ads on there. Right. And the fact of the matter is, is like these escorts that come over there, when people migrate to go to these events, traffickers use the same highways and they bring women that they control to these events as well, because they're product. And who knows how long these women have been in it. And if you're smart enough and you know how to use the dark web or you know the right connections, you'll be able to find children too. And you can find it in the United States. When I go to those places I mentioned, my wife and I, we went to uh, one location. We got off of a, a ferry. We got into a cab. We had a 20-minute cab ride to the hotel. And she's trained as well. And we start talking to the cab driver. Before we even made it to the hotel, we had arranged for a 14-year-old girl to meet us there at the hotel if we wanted and that was with like five questions. Can I can I ask you what city that was? Um, it was in that was in Honduras. Yeah, that was in Honduras. And that, those are places, man. Like think of beautiful, beautiful places. Like that was in I don't care, man. That was in Roatan, Roatan in Honduras. Got off on a got off on a ferry, got into a vehicle, started asking cab driver. And so what do you and then what do you do about that? Do you, well, you, we have to have the permission, right? So that's intelligence, right? And we we take it down. We find out what was the. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he had a were code name. Were you guys going there to do that kind of work? Were you guys just on vacation? We're on vacation. You're man. on vacation. You're like, fuck it. Let's get you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Like, just, just like, go, I'm on. Wow. It's hard because you can't, 
can't stop, right? You can't I mean, stop, it, man. Yeah. Like it, it, it's like uh, I guess it's a good thing. Every you talk, I'm every... not a former addict, right? I got a right. good buddy of mine. His name's Charlie Engel. <laughs> yeah, running man, dude, ran across Africa, right? And he's a 33 years, I believe it is. Charlie, forgive me if I get that wrong. Uh, clean and sober, and the dude connects. He's he he tells me this is like addiction. It you can use that as a good attribute for sure. Just to pay attention to what you're addicted to. That's right. So right. So that's what we are. Like we. I can't go somewhere without at least figuring and collecting information because I'm there to me, you're always in a place for a reason and you're always around people for a reason. God, mm. God puts all that stuff together. Mm. So it, it's our, our, our job and purpose to find out why, like, so go figure out why you're in a room with a bunch of people, right? You'll, you'll, you'll find something. Just so I can get like a glimpse of like how how uh, for lack of a better word severe this addiction or like the yeah, but like yeah. do you then do you go get permission do you go try to figure out what's going oh, on yeah. with that fourteen year old girl is that what you guys did or or do you guys say shit that's here I'll make like how, how did you handle that specific so situation we have that information right and now we like two days ago I just came from meeting the president of that country and that president's like let's stop this and I'm, now I'm able to say okay, well, I was here. We noticed this, this happened. And that just motivates her more Got it. to stop this, right? Got it. So these are all, now we have a lead. So, you know, whatever it is, like now, now we can go investigate, right? What about in, in stateside? You know, what, what, what can you say about your experiences stateside? And, yeah. and um, you know, this, this idea, like, like I was saying that, that my friend had or what happened to my niece, how common is that? How prevalent yeah. is that? Kids getting stolen. Well, it, it's interesting you say that too, and, and I'd like to use this as an opportunity as like a teaching point as well. So my niece as well, um, she was targeted too, and she's you know, uh, twelve years old. She's very intelligent, um, beautiful, uh, beautiful young girl, and she was on um, one of these apps, right? Just like any kids, like hey, you know, your parents are parents are sometimes are like, yeah, go go play your Candy Crush game or whatever the whatever it is, right? And in these in these apps, you know, the ones that have chat f- functions, you have to be careful about. So someone will slide in and misrepresent themselves as somebody, and then they'll, what they like to do, these predators, you know what, I, I hate when people call them predators, because to me they're scavengers, man, like, sure. predators, like, so no, they're scavengers, right? Yeah. So these scavengers will then, like, lure kids to go to a different app, like, so it still seems innocent, but they want the ones that had, like, the disappearing chat functions. And then they'll start talking, and they'll misrepresent themselves, and they'll, they're, like, if you've... You can probably Google this. I've seen them real life. But if you watch a thread of somebody being groomed, it is so interesting because they psychologically, especially kids who have a less of a defense because they've got less experience, right? To understand who to trust or not. And if you make everything seem so perfect and peaceful and you live in Pleasantville to your children, they won't even have a guard up, right? So they're very easily manipulated and groomed. They're playing Candy Crush, like they're playing. Yeah, they're playing Candy. Oh, th- this is my friend. You know, in in, in her case, this is her, you know, a, a friend, and then he wants to go meet at a mall or something. And thank God, like her parents intercepted it, and was like, no, 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 like you you, you got to understand this, and they're trying you know, educating her and all that. And that, and that's the thing is like you have to watch out the platforms they're on. But what we need to do is like. We need to be on the same team, especially in your family, right? It all starts in your family and your household. Protect your protect your home base first, right? And like that's an opportunity for you to talk to your kids and be like, before it happens, 
hey, there are people in this world that are going to try to hurt little kids. Like we're yeah. on the same team. Yeah. Right. So if anybody is saying this, let's go, let's go and then we can go find them and, and catch these bad guys. So let me know if you see something like this. You're not in trouble. I know it's way more difficult than that, but at least try to be on their team. For sure. No, yeah. I'm... But, uh, you, you know, you see that and it, I have, I've got a, a guy, Seth, he's uh, amazing, amazing dude, like a, a brother to me and um, uh, Air Force veterans got like six tours in Afghanistan. Freaking he's a badass, man. And uh, his neighbor, like they had an, an au pair. This is in Nashville. And I talk about those events, right? Uh, so and I think it was 2019, the NFL draft came to Tennessee, okay. Nashville, Tennessee. And that uh, neighbor's au pair goes downtown to Broadway like everybody does. And it places like super busy now. It's always busy, but really, really busy. And calls an Uber. She's out with a couple people that aren't really looking out for her. She goes down to the corner and like a car pulls up. It's not her Uber, right? And um, she doesn't verify or check it, but she gets into this car and she's real drunk. And she gets in there and she's offered a water. She says no, was given a mint. And uh, she takes the mint. She wakes up like the next day in a container in Oklahoma City with 30 other girls, 30 other women. And she, what saved her is she had, she had large breasts and she'd put, tuck the phone in and they didn't find it. So when she came to, after being roofied, you know, she's sick as hell, like all this and pulls her phone out and turns the flashlight on. There's, can you imagine that? She's in a container with all these, and was able to call the cops and be rescued from there. You, you know, what's, that's nowhere. Like you don't see that on the news, right? Like why is that not on the, wow. not on the, why? That's a good, I don't even, you know, why, why, why? I don't know. You know, I have no idea. What you, you must have some opinion. Like, I don't know what I, I will say what I, one of the biggest obstacles that you find, um, going to countries, especially countries that their, their main economic draw is tourism is they don't want the bad PR. Okay. Okay. So okay. they will try to suppress and hide that stuff. So when you come in, that's one of the biggest problems I'd have encountered. But that's why, and that's when I'm starting at the lower level, right? Like, well, you know, if I'm just pick a, say a country in the Caribbean, well, if, you know, 30% of my domestic product are tourists coming in, if they think that this is a trafficking hotbed that might and their kids might get kidnapped, like you're now messing with that, which lowers the amount of money we have, which creates an economic problem, which puts more people in desperation, which makes more people vulnerable, which adds more people into the potential problem. So there's, that's why you have to, there's, you have to fight it at all ends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and you, mm -hmm. you have the academics that are, are, you know, putting things together and how do we get people economically? And, you know, th those are all, you have to do all of them. But at the end of the day, and people give us shit sometimes for, going in and doing the rescues, that's not the way to do it. You're just creating a vacuum. You go get rescue one and another one's going to fall in there. Like, so what's the point? The point is that this little kid that gets yeah. raped 15, 20 times a day, what yeah. kind of argument is that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, not telling you to not go do your crap. Like you got to do your crap too. Like we all got to fight against this. I'm a freaking green beret, man. Like my team, like SF team, like we're, we don't care. We'll go anywhere to go rescue somebody. One of the things that puzzles me the most about this is like why in the world like these days, this issue is getting political and it's getting yeah, like, and, and, and I'm just like, why, why do you think that is like, what, like, yeah. do you have any insight into that? Like why you think this is becoming like, a, and maybe the answer is just because fucking everything is, but there's yeah. like nothing. I mean, the, the, there's no greater example of like what real evil is. Yeah. You know, people who are combating against evil, like, 
in your mind, do, do you have any, do you have any sort of like insight to that? Or do you have any thesis on why that is, why this is getting so politicized? I don't know, man. I think that my, my guess is like people just have this tendency, especially if you're trying to get elected or stay elected or, you know, we've really um, leaned towards this kind of like a it's the definition of a bully right like instead of talking about like the great things i'm going to do we're going to talk about the bad things shit, that yeah, other yeah. you're going to talk shit about people yeah yeah which make us look better right. like it's to exactly, me like it reminds me exactly like you, a middle school bully or something right, it's right? exactly what you, you want your kids not to do yeah. yeah yeah and then i think that's kind of how it is so you get the victims get left behind in the argument so why are we not on the side of the kids why why if there's nothing else in this world for us to rally behind, what it's you got to start focusing on the on the cause, the cause and the problem, not focusing on what does this make me look like, or how can I spin this in a way to make me look better? How can and, and I, man, I'll tell you what, the nonprofit world, that place that is cutthroat, vicious, vicious, dude, vicious. I I couldn't even believe it, you know, and and I go to this point where. Uh, when I do an SF mission, man, and like, you know, I'll be out there and I'm like, man, we, all right, we got to get this bad dude. How are we going to do it? All right, let's cool. Let's, let's come together as a team. Let's plan it out. Let's figure it out. All right, bam, bam, bam. Okay, we need to have some influence out here. Yeah, we're going to need about 100 grand for this. You know what I used to do? I'd go to this, like a, a distro office, a disbursement office. I'd go up there and I'd sign out $100,000 in cash, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like this window. I was like, hey, I need 100 grand. Yeah. Sign here. Go I'll come back with my receipts. Yeah. I'm going to go get these bad guys, right? Yeah, trust now, me. Yeah. No, I got the non I mean, I, you know, I'm, Again, SF dude, fifth group, like there's, I can get bags of money all day. Now it's like, I'm like, where's the, all right, cool. We got all these kids to rescue. The fact of the matter is, man, like I know, we know where these kids are. I don't have the money. I'm like, where's the window? Where's the window with the bag so I can go right. get the kids, right? Right. So everybody, it, they're, they protect, they protect their donor base. They protect, you know, their, their contacts. Like they don't want to share them. Um, if there's someone who's curious about how they can get involved and help, instinctually and naturally people get into that whole politics thing of, well, man, you could support them, but we're green berets, man. Like who are you going to trust? We're veterans, man. Like, come on. These guys, like they don't know what they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. and people can't help but do that. And what it does is it, it breaks everything down. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that too, a little bit like you, you can't, in order to really to, to fight against this, you have to, not every, not one organization is a large enough or, or B has the expertise for every situation. So for human trafficking, dude, we, we got to work together. Uh -huh. We've got to share donations. We give like air recovery. We're not very big and we need, we need more support. Right. But we will give grants to organizations that are out doing, and they can prove that they're doing stuff like, Oh, you guys are already in place. Why would I spend tens of thousands of donor dollars to go reestablish a network connection when you're already there? Right. Let me send, uh, like one or two operators out to understand your operation and make sure it's legitimate. And then we'll grant you the money and you report back to us. Like that's, that's the, but dude, it's cutthroat. Like it is absolutely cutthroat. I can't, I can't believe it. Like unbelievable. So like organizations like save the children organizations, yeah. like what, like UNICEF, what, like you, you in a perfect world, you guys would all be working together. Like why yeah. wouldn't you, you guys have a common cause. Correct. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and look, man, I, I know for a while, you know, I got really into sort of like the, the anti-dog fighting thing. Dog, you know, dogs getting... My, yeah, old, my yeah, old man yeah. ran the, the uh, Humane Society in the United States, and that was one of his primary focuses. And I remember there was so much hatred between 
PETA, the HSUS, yeah. and ASPCA. Like, they literally, like, I would hear them talk about it, and it's like, they were rivals. I was like, aren't, isn't it the animals first? Like, aren't you all literally after the same thing? Mm-hmm. And it was like, and, and, and I just kept hearing from, it was almost like rival sports teams. And yeah. I don't know whether that's just part of the human, well, but, 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 but for this issue specifically, the movie, the movie has become this sort of like political lightning rod yeah. for, for, for some yeah. reason. Right. And I'm so puzzled by that. And, and look, I get it. Like, I'm a Hollywood actor, dude. Like I come from like the most yeah. left, progressive, liberal mm-hmm. so, sort sort of world, and there's a lot of those values that you know I really believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm an American, and I can believe in what I yeah, want to exactly. believe in, and 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 I'm 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 down to have the discussions and sit down with people who believe anything, and I think I could probably learn from them, and hopefully they hopefully they can learn from me. Like that is what's great about being a part of the best country that yeah. has ever existed on God's yeah. green earth right so there's not I, a lot of people that that actually do think that way it, it, it's it's so one or the other now like right right and i guess i guess what i want to examine kind of like on both sides that i really wanted to ask and like i'm just yeah. like trying to figure out about this specifically to me fundamentalism or being on one side or the other not only is necessary like in my mind is the fucking enemy but you are missing the point because the point yeah. is what's going on with these here are these people that are helping here are these people that are hurting let's focus on that let's support these people and let and, and and, and let's shed light on what the problem is. Do you agree with that? Like, yeah. do you, is that is that right? Like, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I completely agree with what you're talking about is the way it needs to be, right? But that that's what happens is it's it like I was saying, it gets away from the victims and the problem, and it starts talking about the individuals. And you can make anything work nowadays, right? right. And um, you know, my wife and I had someone like put this whole presentation together on us, like how we're doing like trafficking for Richard Branson or something crazy. You know, it's like, I was looking at it and I was like, what's it, man. And I, my heart goes out to Tim too, because like that something that I feel so passionate about and, and we like as a family, like feel so passionate about. And then someone's going to try to say you're doing that exact thing for like, why, you know, like it doesn't make any sense. What so is the motivation? Yeah. Like why? Like, and, you know, in, in my my mind and my heart, I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, my, my wife laughs at me, like, cause I, I suck at haters. I'm like, man, they get me so mad. Like, why would they think that? She's like, no, nah, you got to leave it alone, you know? And then Tim, that, that's it, man. He's like a lightning rod. And this dude, when I sit there and I talk to him, like me to you, in his mind, when he's talking to me, all I can think of in his head, he's like, gotta rescue kids, gotta rescue kids, yeah, gotta yeah. rescue kids. You know, for, for better or worse, he's become like the face of anti human trafficking, especially with this movie. Yep. And with anybody or anything like that, the scrutiny for whatever motivation is going to come and whatever affiliations or when you talk about like Donald Trump and the Trump administration, like Tim was an advisor to him. Donald Trump was actually really great when, when it comes to uh, policies for anti-human trafficking. He was very supportive of organizations that were doing, anti, doing anti-human trafficking. So doesn't it make sense if your mission and goal is to combat trafficking, to work with people that are helping you do it? You know, so now, boom, you know, he's a, he Tim is Trump or whatever right, like right, you know right, so right. oh I don't like Trump so I can't like Tim and Tim is attached to this organization and he sits on the board of Ariel so I can't like Ariel it's like come on man grow up what are we doing what yeah. are we doing yeah. you're spending so much energy on dumb shit let's focus on the problem and the kids let's work together you're not gonna like everything about me I'm not gonna like everything about you that's right you're gonna have a very negative life if all you do is focus on negativity that's right that's like right. come on that's man right. like right. I know we could beat our heads in the wall all day long for this. And that's why I just, yeah, I talk about those anchors, man. Just 
you got to cut them. I got, you know, friends of mine that just trying to, you know, talk to me and be like, oh, you're doing things all wrong. Like, you know, people are saying this about you. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't got time for that. Yeah, yeah. A book comes to mind. And when I was kind of on my finding myself in purpose and really connecting and my, my wife really helped me through that, one of the first books she ever had me read was called Outwit Outwitting the Devil from hmm. uh, Napoleon Hill. Hmm. And it's an interesting book. And um, he actually, he sits down much like we are here. And he's conducting an interview with the devil. And in the interview, he's called out winning the devil because he's trying to figure out the devil's strategy against humanity. It's a really cool book and it was written years and years ago. Wow. And at the end of the day, the theme comes to is like the devil doesn't want to kill you. He doesn't, he doesn't want to end you right there. He wants to make you drift. He wants to distract you. He wants you to go away from your calling. He wants you to talk about things that aren't relevant. He wants to delude issues. He wants to do all of this. That's when he's winning. And that's what we see here is you got to cut through all the noise. Yep. You got to cut through all what people are saying, the stereotypes, the political affiliations, the race, the gender, whatever it is. You got to cut through that and you got to focus on the kids. Yep. That's it. That's all there is to it. And, and I, think, I think that it's for whatever reason or not, whatever you believe spiritually or not, there is much distraction around really great causes and really great people fighting those causes. And let's, let's be real. Not, there's no perfect human being. Mm. I've done terrible things in my life. Sure. Me too. If you're living a life trying to atone for things you did in the past. And I know a lot of military people can, you know, you could probably relate to that too. Totally, man. That's still a great life, man. That's it, brother. What would you say to somebody who was skeptical of the work you do or skeptical of Ariel, because as this grows, you mm -hmm. know, maybe you're going to have to deal with a lot of the things that Tim deals with. What, what, what would you say to them to, to, to sort of explain, uh, what it is you do, what it is, what it is you're about. I mean, I know you've already, you've already done that a little yeah. bit, but what would you say to, to, for lack of a better word, the haters? Go fuck Go yourself. Fuck yourself. <laughs> no, <laughs> right on, no, man, I would say, uh, I'd say you gotta, you just, uh, you have to eliminate distraction, man. And you can't, you cannot believe everything that's given to you at face value, especially if you, if you're one of the people that are getting your news feeds from social media platforms and all of that stuff, like really read into the problem. There's a lot of great reports that come out. The trafficking in persons report, the state department puts that out every year. Uh, Homeland security has a lot of great, um, information on trafficking you know, can rates like different countries and what's going on inside of the countries like do the research yourself you know and if if find a cause that doesn't even have to be everybody should be behind anti-trafficking but there's a lot of things that happen in this world that contribute to trafficking you know let's focus on the good yeah, yeah. and try to not focus on the negative right yeah, and yeah. do your own research most people are too lazy to but do yeah. your own research what, what when when people come to you and say hey i want to be what if a vet comes to you and says mm -hmm. hey i want to be part of ariel um can you can you find a place for everyone yeah i mean we do we do our best especially with there there's so many veterans that um that are in need help there's so many veterans that have great skills and um you know with our heal the heroes program uh, we have a, a website if you go to uh, HealTheHeroesInitiative.com or you can go to AerialRecovery.org. And you can, if you know a veteran uh, of the military, it's not just military, first responder community too, we accept as well, um, that's struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, lack of purpose, um, disconnected back at home, all these things. These are the people that we want. And we're just trying to recreate a new, like, safe community for them to come together, chat, 
talk. We have a whole year long program and then to go out and do good things in the world, wherever that direction is for you. That's what we want to try to help you do. Do you feel like the majority, I mean, you sort of already answered this before, but the majority of people that come to you, are they coming from a place of, for lack of a better word, like cl close to where you were? And can you just talk a little bit about how somebody in that state is so ripe for being the most driven, the most effective, yeah. the most, the, 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 or do you feel that way? And, 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 and has that been your experience? I think, I think people that are searching for something, once they found it, you know, that's when you're, cause if you really find your purpose and attach to it, those are the things that, you know, people always tell you, right? Like when you wake up in the morning, you're having trouble getting out of bed, but if you're on purpose, you wake up in the morning, you're excited to get out yeah, of yeah. bed, to yeah, go yeah. to work, right? And, and, and a purpose can save you. It can oh save your God. life. It and if you're, save if you're you saved, sure. you give everything yeah. to, to, to that being yeah. saved. I mean, that's in a purpose, you'll find community and purpose too, because there's, totally. you know, there's a lot of people that are, ha share that same values and interests. And if you are struggling with stuff, like go out and I always tell people to like go through their phone. And go back through, and I call it a purpose smile. Hmm. Like if you go back through my phone and you can see me serving, whether it's in Ukraine or Africa or, you know, there's 20 some odd countries I've been to in the last three years. Like there's pictures of me like just cheesing it up, man. That's uh, my purpose smile. Yeah, so yeah, I like, go through, cool. I'm like, all right, well, where was that? What was I doing? Cool. Cool. That's a good technique to find out. Let's recreate that situation. Who are those people that are around there too, man? Those are some great people. That's my community, man. That's what I need to be around. You know, one of the community, you know, one thing that we do on the show is, uh, um, you know, we've, we've, we've gone into prison and, 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 yeah. and, and talked to folks uh, on the inside. We've had a lot of guys that, that have been incarcerated and, yeah. and it's a very like fascinating, like kind of microcosm of society. And, 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 you know, mm -hmm. the folks that, do the things that you're combated against or dealt with in a very specific way within that microcosm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of like an unwritten rule and an understanding of what, what, what happens to you in, mm -hmm. in, in the, in the prison world. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with the way that, that, that it's dealt with in prison? Do you agree? You know, like what, what what's your take on that? Cause, cause, uh, and, and again, man, you know, as much mm -hmm. as you're comfortable with talking about, cause I'm sure you've had those, those yeah. urges, maybe you've acted on them. I don't know. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so that's one of the most difficult things about what we do. I imagine. Um, and I've had, that's why we're very deliberate when we conduct those trainings I was talking about, because not everybody is capable of going and doing anti-trafficking missions. Most people, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, if you're sitting from me to you, with you know this person contributes, um, participates in the abuse of children, Yeah, you know, they would just... Yeah. Like, like that's that thought. Like, also certainly be fine if you did it. Yeah, you know whether they do it themselves, <laughs> they certainly be fine if you did. Yeah, it. Yeah, right. And yeah. so when we, I've had uh, one of these, one of these guys, I won't say his name, that I, I really respect very well. I, I uh, uh, real, you know, badass dive, dive dude, SF combat diver, badass guy. He came through um, one of our trainings, and he pulled myself and my wife aside after the first day, and we're talking, we're telling some of these stories about. Uh, some of these missions we've been on and the things we encounter and I, he would pull him out and he's like shaking and like tearing up and he's looking at us he's like you can't do it yeah. and i was like i was like you all right man he's like i want to i want to kill him like i i, I there's nothing in it that's it i, I got i don't want to kill him i won't be able to do it and we do find that a lot you know because it's and i think that's uh that's where you've got to be very careful about where your focus is because if if i'm sitting there and talking to a trafficker I'm thinking about all the kids that he's connected to, where those networks lead, who else is above this person. Like, and if you blow it, 
or go after, you know, everyone says like the, the low hanging fruit where they're good to collect sometimes, like you want to get the whole thing. There are so many other kids that will be affected by me sure. taking this impulsive decision. Right. Got to stay on mission. Yeah. You got to stay on mission, man. Do you remember a time, like what, what pops into your head when you like the, the most angry you've gotten, the, the time where that was tested to the most, where you just wanted to hurt somebody or whether you were so disgusted or angry, Can, what, what, what pops in them? Yeah. Um, yeah, there was this case in, uh, man, there's a couple of them, but this, this one case in, in Mexico really, um, comes to me. There's, there's, man, there's so many that fall through, but there's, I was meeting with this, uh, this trafficker and I remember, uh, this is another female trafficker. I remember talking to her and, um, and w when I'm just, just having a conversation with her and she's, she's telling me about this place and this is right before the thing that got me really angry came out. Um, she's like, what happens, uh, what happens to you when you go to sleep? And I was like, I go to bed, you know, sometimes I dream or whatever. Cause I, you're building a relationship with that. Sure. And, uh, she's like, you know, what happens to me is, um, when I go to sleep, I, I leave my body and, and I, I swear to you, as I'm talking to her, I'm watching her pupils get big. And I'm like, dude, like, this is my belief. I'm like, I'm talking, there's like a demon I'm talking to right now. And, but I'm sitting there engaged with her and she's like, I go, I go to sleep and I go and I travel to another world. And in this other world, they're, you know, kids and, and people like everyone is free to do whatever they want to anybody. And there's no consequence. You don't feel anything like it's, you know, it's a, it's a place of, it's a paradise to me because it's your desires are fulfilled in anything or in everybody around you. It's like your will. And, uh, she's like, makes you feel godlike. And then she said, then I come back to my body and I wake up and I'm like, I think this is like, a, you're like, a, I'm talking to a demon who goes to hell. And it comes back when she's sleep. That's what I'm thinking in my head because, you know, that's just my belief. And then she's like, all right, well, um, you know, let's get down to business. And I'll, so I'm like, I'm like, there's <laughs> evil in front of me, man. You know, and I'm like, okay. And you know she does this. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I'm talking to her and I'll, I'll tell you her MO too because we we got her. But so from me to you and you look, you know, we're, we're sitting in a, an outdoor cafe at this place and she has her handlers bring our product, which is 15 kids. She shows them, parades them to us. Five They're by in five. the room. No, we're outside. No, but they, they, I mean, they come in front of you. Yeah, physically. they come. So we're like, These imagine an pictures. outdoor cafe right here, you know, right here on the beach, right? You Like, and the world is happening around you. This is the, this is the insanity of it because this is a very touristy place. There's people from all over the world walking back and forth with their kids, having a good time. And we're talking like this. We're talking to a trafficker. Her, she's parading five kids will walk across the street. How, how, like by themselves stop. or what? No, they have handlers. So and she's so like somebody's like, what? somebody walks them and these kids know exactly what they're there for. And I think the youngest. How old are the kids? Uh, from like 14 to, I think the youngest was four. Oh, fucking holy moly. And they walk them over and stop them. You know, they're 20 feet across and there's tourists, like I said, with their families walking back and forth and they stop. And then, um, you know, I can tell they're like, Hey, that one on, cause I'm trying to get her to believe me. Like that one, uh, how old's the one on the left there? You know, she's like, he's four. And I'm like, all right, well have him spin around for me. Oh and, um, Jeez. so then she'll, you know, send a message and then the kid will spin around or someone will turn him around. And wh and what's the look in the kids faces? They just hopelessness. That's it. They have nothing. They've, and some of them like, you know, you can't gauge it. Cause like 
the MO a lot of times, I'm going to phrase this in a way, the MO a lot of times is, you know, I've interacted with uh, one that they had a nonprofit in a poor country where they would go give food and stuff to thousands of people and like families that were in need. That was their structure. They had a nonprofit. When they would go do these, they would come to somebody's house, whatever it is, and then give, okay, well, how many kids do you have? Uh, are the boys or girls? Because we, maybe we can give them toys. Like, how old are they? You know, so they take the, they have a big roster. But what they're really doing is they're going around and searching for product. So now when people come and they're asking for a kid of a certain age and sex, now they go to their nonprofit roster and they're like, okay, this family has a kid that matches that. So now they'll go show up to that family and offer them money for their kid for 24, 48 hours, whatever the customer, the asshole coming in there, then that's what we got. We have to focus on those too. The ones that are, it's not just the traffickers and the victim, it's the people creating the demand. There wouldn't be human trafficking and people weren't paying for it, right? So, all right, so now we go and find this kid and here's money. And some of the families, are just, they're so desperate, they'll take the money, they know what's happening or they'll like say, no, 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 no. But the, this is a business, so they're connected in with gangs or cartel or something like that who will then just go and take the kid. And now it's known that we either take the money and get some money for the family or they're just our kid's going to be taken anyways and we'll never get the kid back because it'll he'll get off in the or she will be off in the abyss of trafficking. And so there what sort of choice do they have, you know? There there's no choice. So they'll give them the kid and then that same person will with their nonprofit is like yeah, I mean we we're providing opportunity for that family and like they're like their uncle or something would rape the kid anyways like it's, it's like it's you're sitting there with like the justifications in your minds like you're so you're just complete you're so sick like how do you even how can you even think that way and that's that's the reality of the the stuff that you see so you're it's so it's interesting and it takes a certain person because you can't you're trying to comprehend it you almost have to like not comprehend it and you have to wait to process it afterwards because you're sitting there and then you're like oh oh wow that's so smart yeah you're right you're giving them opportunity. And I, I remember in this case, uh, it's finished now. So, but in this case, I was uh, playing the role of like an investor. And um, I told him like, oh man, that's, you know, that's beautiful. Like I want a percentage of my profit to go into your nonprofit because I think what you're doing is amazing. And that's like when you're building that. To this trust. woman? Yeah, to the trafficker. Because I'm trying to create that trust. But you're... It doesn't even make sense, like the way that she thinks and justifying that this is a good thing they're doing for that family and providing it. And I, it's like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's insanity. It's evil. It's just pure evil. And the, the, the sad case about it too is a lot of times these traffickers that you speak to, they were victims themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they get promoted out of being raped all the time by controlling mm -hmm. And so they're manipulated. So you have to sit there and you, it's a weird dynamic because you're talking to a person who is abusing kids, but that was a person that was a kid abuser. themselves that was abused before. You, you know, we've had a, we've had a bunch of guys, a um, bunch of people on the show before 
uh, that come from, you know, kind of long-term undercover work, mm -hmm. uh, infiltrated biker gangs, infiltrated, uh, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot and with law enforcement in general is like, you do have to, in order to be effective, you need to derive some sort of kind of empathy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to strike like, like real, real relationships, real friendships, especially mm -hmm. this long-term stuff with the people that you're eventually taking down. Yeah. I mean, cause I imagine with some of these people, yeah, they were abused too. So maybe there's some sort of connection yeah. or p p potential for empathy there. But I mean, I imagine some of them not, they're just pure vile motherfuckers who are like doing the worst. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? It, it, you know, and this is like kind of not really a cop out answer, but you have, uh, you know, there's a, like a saying in the military, like, well, you know, when we come into the enemy, you know, we'll, we'll kill them and we'll let God sort them out. Mm -hmm. But I really do kind of like think that way where mm -hmm. you're like, I'm not, especially the things I've done in my past. I'm not the most wonderful individual. I do great things now, but you know, I, I was an addict. I was, kind of, I was an asshole before I was still a good person, but I'd done the dumb, stupid things. Sure. And I'm not like, who am I to really be that ultimate judge right, you know and, right. and so i do my piece of what i can focus on what i'm good at and then i just believe through my faith that it'll be sorted out on the back end yeah and yeah. um and it's but what we really do encourage is because it, we encourage the communication and um and i find this kind of interesting because when i really look back on a lot of the post-traumatic stress that i have and and I'll say this because I want people to be uh veterans to be careful about it you know i'm like one of those guys rated like 420 percent disabled by the VA, you know, and you, you spend so much time trying to get these ratings because it just means it's like extra money when you get out, but then you really start to believe it. Like we can't really, we can't focus and in, in be too, too much like believing in, in what these labels that are assigned to us because we have the opportunity to serve and be, be good people really at the end of the day. And, um, you know, when I'm, I'm sitting there and, um, thinking about like the, the bad, like the stuff that I had done and, and like the judgment, you know, thing is just, I don't know, man. Like you just gotta, you just gotta focus on good now. And that's all you can really do. You just gotta focus on good. What would you suggest parents do? What should we, we be on the lookout for? Yeah. Um, how are you going to parent? Yeah. I think, uh, I'm not going to tell people the, how to parent, but I think if you are, if you yourself haven't gone and seen the movie sound of freedom, like go see it. If you have uh children, whatever you decide is your age as a parent. But I, I think that, the way that it's done, like teenagers can probably go see this movie. You decide on your own. I always tell parents to go watch the movie yourself and then decide if your kids are old enough to go see it or decide the age that they are old enough to see it and then show it to them. And what you need to do is you got to, you cannot, it's not working. Hiding people and hiding dangerous things and hiding human trafficking is not working. Yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to bring it to the light and you have to show it. So you need to understand it. So that's a great tool. To me, the Sound of Freedom is a tool. It's um, it's a Hollywood movie, but it's very much based on actual events. And it's based on an actual human being who is doing great things in this world, despite of whatever distraction or noise that's coming up. The dude is out there to rescue kids. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. And that's what he is doing, right? So educate, learn together as a family, and just go do your own research, but do it as a family, man. And like, I think, as just as humanity, when you're looking for looking for purpose and you know, you're not going to find that in some of these like silly reality TV shows that are on there to just distracting from things that are in this world. Like we got a finite amount of time on this planet. It's up to us to find out what we're supposed to be doing while we're here. 
and not letting ourselves live in distraction. So just openly communicate with your family. You know them better than, than I know them, right? Find out what their comfort levels are and try to test those a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and just talk about it, become a, a team against that evil. And you can only do that by building the trust, which is coming up with a plan together, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, Dude, I, 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 you know, we're just, we're, we're just so grateful to you, man. And bless you, bless you and your wife, man, your yeah, wonderful thanks, wife and, and what you guys are doing. And, um, I just wish you so much, uh, joy with, with, with this new baby, man, this new adventure you're about to be on. You yeah. Know I mean, that's just, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and, thank uh, thank you. Of course, yeah, man. Yeah, Come yeah, on, dude. You, thank you. you. Just gotta, uh, I, I always say that like my, my groups that were, we're real, uh, one of those best kept secrets, you know, and it, the, the hard thing to do is, uh, you know, you like make a joke. I, I love seals, man. I got seals in my program, but uh, I always joke around like, you know, one of the first days of seal training is teaching you how to write a book. Uh, <laughs> so we do that as a green beret, man, like quiet professionals. You, yeah, most of us are kind of try to work behind the scenes. So, but this is something that needs to come to light. And being able to be out here, and I know my schedule is jacked up, so I appreciate you guys, Come dude. On, man, y'all, y'all are great. Like Thank you, you made it so I get bro. here. Back yeah, you, yeah, awesome. appreciate it, man. Oh, bro. Yeah, bro. Okay. Okay. So cool. yeah, better. Me too. Man.